Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, May the 17th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are talking big uglies. Is this the best and deepest line we've seen in five years, maybe even 10, plus the make or break stretches of the 2018 schedule and your podcast reviews? But first, I have to remind you guys, go and subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating, and leave us a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts really helps the podcast get out to more Dolphins. We really do appreciate all of that. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for your daily written Dolphins content needs. We have the injury piece up right now talking about the players the Dolphins can least afford to lose via injury as well as the Ryan Tannehill Week 3 quarterback charting project up right now on LOD.com as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I am recording this podcast late on a Wednesday night. I just got back in town. I play softball on Wednesday nights. As you guys know, I told you that the other day and I just got back home from doing that. So the, the lady is downstairs sleeping. I'm trying to be as quiet as I possibly can, but nonetheless, we're going to do the podcast here. And speaking of working upstairs in my quote unquote football lab up here, there is a workplace hazard that I have to report to my boss, which is myself and the staircase leading up to my house. My house was built in 1916. We've redone a lot of the stuff in this house, including the kitchen and, and the bathroom and some other things that we really use a lot. And so the house doesn't feel like it's that old, but there are some elements to the house that <laughs> certainly hold true to being 100 years old as a house. And one of those is a very, very narrow and slippery staircase, a wooden staircase that we just painted not that long ago, so it's even more slippery. And I wear socks around the house all the time. Not a big barefoot guy. So when you step on the edge of the stair, sometimes your foot will slip out and living here for a couple of years now with her, I have now fallen down the stairs three times since I've lived here. And this one was the worst. It took some skin off both my arms as I went straight back to brace myself, slid down a few steps, dropped a water bottle, dropped something else as well that tumbled down the rest of the stairs and that got all busted up. So I'm improving, I'm getting better, but a workplace hazard for sure. And in better personal news, speaking of those softball games, we got two wins tonight, a series sweep of our opponent. We have a doubleheader you play every single game, but or I should say every Wednesday it's doubleheader. So two games, I bat lead off, I play second base. I do play shortstop normally, but we have a loaded roster, including our shortstop slash middle infielder who shows up about half the time. He was the shortstop at the University of Washington. So I go ahead and, and let him have it because he makes plays every single Wednesday that just puts your jaw on the floor. But batting, batting first and playing short, uh, second base this time, had nine plate appearances, eight base knocks for your boy. So a great start to the year, 2-0. We have the, we're called the Tri-Cities Tropics after the semi-pro basketball team, the Tropics. So we have the exact same jerseys as those. So a really good time. Good time to gather with all my buddies and play some softball. Two wins, good start for me individually. Let's go ahead and talk some football here since that's what you guys all came for. That's another Miami Dolphins 
On the first segment today, I wanted to break down the offensive line because as I'm going back over some of the older film of the previous years and more particularly 2016, looking at Ryan Tannehill and kind of trying to apply what we can learn from those games and apply it to 2018. And the offensive line's a really big sticking point. It has been for a long time for this team. It's been an issue for a long, long time with this team. And I wanted to just run down these players and kind of talk about them a little bit and how the Dolphins can make such big strides just based on these guys alone. First, you start with Laramie Tunzel and he had a bad year last year and going over his PFF grades, he graded out really poorly both against the pass and the run, had a lot of penalties that really put the team behind the chains a lot of the time. And and Kevin Dern, you guys all know him, friend of the podcast, he's doing a charting project talking about Laramie Tunzel and he charted that first game against the LA Chargers last year where he did pretty well against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram rotating sides there as well as Jawan James. But in that game, he noticed that Tunzel really had one rep that just killed him. That third down, I want to say it was a third down sack in the red zone, might've been third and goal even but he allows a sack gets beat pretty bad but the thing that he pointed out to me that I've always noticed in Larry Tunzel's game you can notice it both in his workouts and his college tape and even his NFL tape is how smooth his feet are and how well he transitions in and out of his set and gets his his hand fighting going from that standpoint but just the way his feet are so smooth he, he kind of is a waist bender something Kevin told me that he kind of gets over the front of his pads a little bit too much where you can get beat easily, but his feet and lower half is so good that he can make up for it there. So I think that going into year three, you can expect a big jump from Larry Towns. And if you don't get it, you can start maybe being a little bit more concerned about the left tackle position. Now then there's the guard play, and this has been just the ultimate pit of misery for the Miami Dolphins for so long now going back even before Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback, but they bring over Josh Sitton, who by and large is the best left guard from a pass protecting standpoint in the pro football focus era. And then at right guard, you have Jesse Davis and comparing those two to Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner, it's really night and day seeing what the Dolphins have had to deal with in the past in terms of their guards just constantly getting pressed back into the quarterback. I did the Bengals game, for instance, week four of 2016, and Billy Turner starts at left guard, and he is constantly getting pushed back into Ryan Tannehill's lap. He is him and Jerron Bushrod at right guard. Their anchor point is like where the quarterback sets up shop at the top of his drop. So they get pushed all the way back, and then by the time Tannehill's throwing the football, his arm is hitting his offensive lineman. He's getting pushed around, having to break the pocket. Just a nightmare sequence for those guards throughout the course of that game. And you go from Josh Sitton, who's a veteran technician, can help the inside post on Laramie Tunes, like we talked about, can help Dan Kilgore get the, the protection calls made right, and just he'll he'll perform at a level that none of these guys have been able to do in the past. So a big get from him in that standpoint. Right guard Jesse Davis, I think, has the size, the build, and enough athleticism to make him a competent player both in the pass and run game. And speaking of the run game, Dan Kilgore, he's not going to go out there and blow you away with his run blocking. He's not much of an athlete. He's often on the ground and kind of out of control. But as a pass protector, he was only really a poor pass protector last year when C.J. Beathard from the 49ers was in the game. The rookie quarterback, I want to say it was a third, fourth round draft pick that year. He just didn't, he wasn't ready to play. And it really made the offensive line's pressures go way up. Everyone across the board had more pressures than when Jimmy Garoppolo or even going back to Brian Hoyer was in the game. And Dan Kilgore really turned it on at the end of the season. Veteran leader, all the stuff you want to hear about coming into the locker and making it better. So very excited about him as well in terms of what he does as a pass protector. And then at right tackle, Jawan James was very, very solid last year. One of my actual personal claim to fame was getting picked up from the Daily Dolphin by Joe Shad on the Palm 
Palm Beach Post website with my week one GIF thread going over all of those plays that he was just shutting down Joey Bosa and then Melvin Ingram on a couple instances too. But he's had his up and down streaks as well. You go back to that 2016 year, he actually got benched in that Cleveland game, played very poorly in that Cincinnati game that I mentioned. Comes back in 2017, plays very well, but ends the year on IR once again. So that starting five, very solid group, but the depth I feel very good about. And I feel really good about Sam Young, Ted Larson, and Jake Brendel all in a pinch in a situation where they have to come in to close a game, maybe start one game. But as far as long-term starters, probably not quite as much. But I've never felt this good about the top eight offensive linemen on the team going back to as far as I can remember, probably even the Ricky Williams days and maybe even the Dan Marino days in the 90s with Richmond Webb and all those guys. So it's been a long time coming. This offensive line looks a lot better and I just can't wait to see them put it all together and be in one cohesive offensive unit that doesn't have breakdowns seemingly every other play on the offense. All right, we have a little bit more to get to on the podcast here, including a schedule breakdown next on Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. And just looking over the schedule for 2018, and most coaches will break the schedule up into quadrants, four games at a time or quarters, however you want to say it. And I, I like doing that at a certain point, but I also think that there are games and bunches you, you can look at that aren't necessarily in four-game stretches. So we're going to go ahead and do that on the podcast here. And the first one that I have is the first three games, and it's because that fourth game against New England is just typically a scheduled loss. Anytime we go up to Foxborough, it typically ends in a defeat, and it has for a long, long time, dating back to 2008, the Wildcat game with Ronnie Brown, Chad Pennington, and playing against Matt Castle didn't hurt either in that game. But I'm going to just break off the first portion of the schedule before week four and talk about home for the Titans at the New York Jets, home for the Oakland Raiders. And you guys know how I feel about playing at home in September against two teams that don't necessarily have the hottest weather in the summer. Definitely nowhere near what Miami's weather is. You have one team in the Oakland Raiders coming all the way from the West Coast in an early time slot. The biological body clock being at 10 o'clock in the morning. A very rough go for those guys. I can't imagine having to go through all the pregame, basically waking up at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning having to do that. So a very tough order for a team coming from the left coast. And then you have that Jets game sandwiched in there, which to me, that roster is still a disaster. I mean, they won more games than everyone thought they would last year. They drafted a quarterback, but did they really add a whole lot to that team make you feel like they're going to be a real threat to anybody this year? Most national media pundits seem to kind of pair up the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins as the three stepchildren in the AFC East. And maybe they are to the Patriots, but I just think the Dolphins are far superior to both the other teams at this point. So you look at those three games, and man, it's it's hard to look at that game and say we shouldn't be able to be competitive in all of them. You obviously don't expect to win all three just based on what this team has been in the past. I think they're three very winnable games, and if they can get all three of them, man, that's that just feels like a, a, a shot in the arm to the playoff run and a good start to the season. But let's go ahead and just pretend like it's going to be two and one because they'll probably lay an egg in one of them. And then you have a tough stretch because going to the Patriots, that's always a loss to me. I'm just going to leave it at that. The Bengals, and we'll, we'll cap it off there with the next four games. So Patriots, Bengals, Lions, and Bears at home as well. I think you can, I'm going to keep on saying they're going to win the home games with the, with the Lions and Bears, even though I think both those offenses are going to be pretty good and challenge this offense a lot, or this defense a lot. But once again, hot weather, not really hot weather where they're at that time of year. Coming down to Miami, they can definitely lose some of their steam in the fourth quarter. That game at the Bengals on the road, they have a very good pass rushing group. They're a very good front seven. Andy Dalton is very, very spotty, and they've been uh, up and down team over the course of the last decade or so. So if you can get out of that stretch there with a couple of wins as well, Head into that Houston game on Thursday night, which is going to be its own 
stretch there because that's what they call a scheduled loss in the business, a road game on a short week into Houston playing Deshaun Watson, who's probably going to be better bat by that time, by week eight. That's considered probably a loss for me. And then you open up the next portion of the schedule. We'll go ahead and call it a three-game stretch once again, home for the Jets, at the Packers, at the Colts, off the bye. That Jets game at home, you have to win that game. I think they're a much worse team at home. You can't let that one slip away, especially going to Green Bay the next week, playing against Aaron Rodgers in his building is never, ever going to be easy. And then once again, another game you got to win, coming off of a bye, facing the Indianapolis Colts in Lucas Oil Stadium. I don't know that Andrew Luck's going to be out there for that one or ever again, considering the fact he hasn't thrown a football in something like 500 days. So that's where it really breaks off. And then you get into the very tough portion of the schedule. Actually, I'd probably go ahead and group the Buffalo game into that group there as well. And then make the last uh, quarter of the season, the last portion. It's New England at Minnesota, home for Jacksonville at Buffalo. You're going to have to find a win in one of the three games between the Patriots at home, at the Vikings, and home for the Jaguars because you can't lose all three down the stretch and expect to get back into the playoffs. So that's the stretch where things really seem to get hard, and that's why the Dolphins are going to have to do well in that first portion. The first seven games, I think they're going to have to win all of the home games and get one of the roadies, maybe even two, if you sacrifice one of the home games to get yourself a nice five and two start through the first seven games they're going to have to start strong that's the way the schedule sets up gets tougher in the back end but as we all know the schedule never seems to play out that way the going off of last year's records just doesn't never ever ever holds true so going off of last year's records doesn't do you a whole lot I guess you can hope that some of those teams might have had an injury at a game or two along the way but then again going back to last year the Titans in week five lost Marcus Mariota for just one game of the year happens to be the game the Dolphins play against them and that's the only reason they won that game because Matt Castle was so horribly dreadful in that game. So the schedule, I think, plays pretty well for the Dolphins. Probably one of the better schedules they've had. I'm getting really sick of these Thursday night road games, but nonetheless, I digress. I think they will have an opportunity to put themselves in position to play for a playoff berth down the line late in the season. All right, we have one more segment here on the podcast. We're going to talk about your guys' reviews and talk about my in-season plans for next season's Lockdown Dolphins podcast, as well as website, Lockdown Dolphins, at Winkfield NFL, at Lockdown Fins. All right, guys, we got one more segment here on the podcast. I wanted to go ahead and make it about you guys and just kind of show my appreciation for what you guys have done in terms of supporting the podcast and just let me know how much you appreciate the time we put into the podcast and the website as well. I spent a lot of time doing this stuff, so the appreciation really, really goes a long way with me. Let's go ahead and read some of these reviews from you guys. The first one comes from OC Dolphin. I enjoy listening to the show when I want to hear knowledgeable people talk about my favorite football team. Big thanks to you, man. Next one comes from Rogue Rafter. This is a must-listen for all Dolphins fans. Very much appreciated there. Next one comes from Andrew Faz. Travis delves deep into film study, roster analysis, and all the things that make for an insightful podcast. Thank you very much, sir. And then new listener, Dolphin Ray. Hey, Travis, congrats on the no-no. Omar Kelly is still a douche. Talking, of course, about James Paxton's, no- James Paxton's no-hitter from my Seattle Mariners. And, of course, Omar Kelly, the beat writer everyone loves to hate. So you guys can do that by going to Apple Podcasts. Just go to Search Podcasts, type in Locked On Dolphins, go to write a review on there once you're in the page for the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You can see we have about 105 reviews written. I made a 4.5 out of 5 stars, and I've only ever gotten a five-star review since I took over. Unfortunately, the host that did the show before me didn't quite get as many good reviews, but I do appreciate you guys doing that, taking the time to let the podcast know how you feel about us, because the more of those reviews we get, the more it helps us go up the iTunes chart and helps us get more discovery 
access out there, I suppose, to more Finns fans and more football people out there. So we really, really appreciate that. A couple of programming notes for you guys. I'm kind of starting to build up my in-season plan for how I'm going to do the podcast, how I'm going to do the website. And I started thinking about that Tannehill charting project. I think that everybody would like to see the quarterback charting throughout the course of the season as it's relevant. So I'm thinking about doing Tannehill Tuesdays where I break that down on Tuesdays when the All-22 comes out, getting that guys out to that out to you guys as well. And then of course the GIF threads, those are not going anywhere the entire game. I usually have about 25 to 30 GIFs on offense as well as defense. So about 50 to 60 in total for every single game, breaking down the games. And then also going to have some Sunday night game day podcast that's going to be the flagship show of the program, taking a look at all the crucial plays of the game, breaking down the numbers, breaking down the original thoughts, my five takeaways from the game. So you guys can check that out in season in September. I did a little bit of it back last year if you want to see how those podcasts went, but I have a much better plan going forward for 2018 as we ramp this thing up for year number two with me as the host of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's going to do it for the podcast tonight, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter as well as Facebook and the number one blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.